Garoppolo fires. It is caught still on his feet as Kittle with a big play and the stiff arm. George Kittle flags fly. He's down to the 30. What a run by George Kittle. We're live, bro. Welcome to the Denim Dungeon on this tragic Tuesday. I am your host, Brian Rennick, a contributor at 49ers WebZone, and I am joined, as always, by my fellow contributor, my co-host, but most importantly, my good buddy, T-Sliz for shiz, Tim Sprinkles. Tim, how's it going, man? Oh, Brian. Is it really a tragic Tuesday when we moved up in the draft status? We are losing with purpose <laughs> hashtag losing your, with purpose absolutely your 2020 san francisco 49ers season hashtag, hashtag. They, could, they could be in the top 10 we could be in the top 10 of draft picks in 2020 which might secure us a potential top four quarterback in the draft is it possible brian do we have it can we finish this tank? Oh, man. As Oscar Aparizio loves to call it, the elegant tank. You uh, you didn't want to use that because obviously that's Oscars. And so, you know, we did come up with hashtag losing with purpose or hashtag lack for Zach. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, it, it is it is readily apparent that the the current draft crush of a lot of 49ers Twitter is Zach Wilson, the quarterback out of BYU. As a matter of fact, former. BYU Coog, Steve Young, uh, has already come out and said that uh, he really likes Zach Wilson's game and that he thinks that he's going to be a star in this league. And so, yeah, I mean, the the question is, you know, once the once the season pans out and we see what draft order is, what what pick are the 49ers going to need to have in order to secure themselves one of the top three or four quarterbacks and it really just depends on who you know who is in front of them how many of them need a quarterback the fact that the vikings won tonight which vaulted the 49ers from 14th in the draft order to 12th in the draft order is helpful moving right? on up what we what as fans if if <laughs> if you're if you're if you're hoping for the hashtag lose with purpose hashtag lack for zach if you are a proponent of this elegant tank and you want a quarterback, you are rooting for teams that already have a quarterback to continue to suck because you either want a bunch of teams in front of you that already have their quarterback figured out, like the Houston Texans, like the, I was going to say the Miami Dolphins, but at this rate, the Dolphins might make the playoffs. They are playing incredibly well. The Chargers, right? The Chargers only have two wins, but they've they got Herbert last year. So there's a lot of a uh, lot of scenarios, but uh, but yeah, watching that game, you know, it kind of felt like Kyle Shanahan. I mean, was he was he losing with purpose? I'm not sure. I'm not sure he was trying to win. <laughs> but there's uh, there are some decisions where you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. So, I mean, you, th you look at the draft order and you look at the teams ahead of the 49ers and you go, New York Jets, obviously they're going to select a quarterback. Trevor Lawrence. It's probably going to be Trevor Lawrence. And then Sam Darnold 
becomes an option as well. He also kind of falls into into that group of what was four quarterbacks, could be now potentially five. And everyone has already kind of written him off. There are there is a small group of a fan base that would, me included, that that think Sam Darnold isn't done in the NFL, especially if he gets an offensive gifted mind at either head coach or offensive coordinator. He stands a chance. So the Jets need a quarterback. The Jacksonville Jaguars, are they done with the Gardner Minshew experiment? Yes. Are they going to draft a quarterback? Yes. That's two. Are the Dallas Cowboys going to draft a quarterback? See, are they that done one with is Dak? tricky. That one is super tricky. And that's going to be definitely going to be one to monitor because, I mean, are you as 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 America's team, right? Jerry Jones isn't getting any younger. Is he going to commit to Dak Prescott out of duty, which I think he should, right? Because I feel like <laughs> duty. He, he really. <laughs> you, I feel you like he duty. really. I feel like he really kind of screwed Dak with uh, with the contract situation, the franchise tag. Yeah. And so does does Jerry Jones who wants to win a Super Bowl before he dies and and it seems like he doesn't have a whole lot of time left is he willing to you know is he willing to give a big contract to Dak Prescott or even a contract to Dak Prescott because that injury looked disgusting and there's no telling when he'll be ready so that's that's a good point that's a good one to keep your eye on okay so potentially 3 the giants so then but then does that mean that the that Dak Prescott is available and he becomes a quarterback on the market for one of these teams as well? Uh, the Washington football team, do they draft a quarterback? Maybe. Prob- probably. Yeah. We know the Los Angeles Chargers won't. We know the Miami Dolphins because they're getting the pick via the Houston Texans. That's right. They are getting the Texans they're- pick, yeah. They're not going to pick a quarterback. The Cincinnati Bengals are not going to pick a quarterback. They have... Joe Burrow, their quarterback of the future, Joey the New B? York Giants. I don't think the New York Giants are going to select a quarterback. I think they're they're going to ride with Danny Dimes maybe another year. You mean the 19 Carolina, mile per hour Danny Dimes? He is super fast and he falls <laughs> on his ass. Tripped by, by a blade of grass. <laughs> um, by a blade of grass. Um, and then the Carolina Panthers right now are number nine. Uh, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, is he the answer? I, Probably not. Is he there? And he's there on a one-year deal, isn't he? I'm I think sure. so. I'm not sure. I'd have to look that up. Yeah. And then the Atlanta Falcons—they're uh, not getting rid of Matt Ryan. They're, they're the Denver Broncos. To Matt Ryan. Then the Denver Broncos—they have their guy. But do they? Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> well, do John they? Elway does he? Does, he doesn't know. Uh, but they can't keep drafting quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. You know they could. But okay, so that's eleven, and then by you the, look way, at the by Niners the, at twelve. I was gonna say, by the way, keep an eye on the Broncos in the Sam Darnold sweepstakes because John Elway loved Sam Darnold in that draft. So that's another one that it's true. You got to kind of keep your eye on. That's a good point. That would be an, that would be an interesting move for them. So, gosh, I look at that and I go: the Jets, the Jaguars, the Cowboys, potentially the Washington Football Team. <sighs> potentially the Giants and Carolina, you're looking at maybe six teams that need a quarterback. Carolina signed Teddy Bridgewater to a three-year, $63 million contract. Okay, I'm going to retract that finger, (laughs) and I'm going to go back to five. 
five if you're counting the Giants and Danny Dimes. If not, now you're at four. Okay? And they're not getting ahead of the Jets. They're not getting ahead of the Jaguars. They're not getting ahead of the Cowboys. They're not getting ahead of the Washington football team. There's four yeah. teams. And and Zach Wilson's number four. Yeah. So I don't Yeah, I don't I don't know if it's realistic, but but then really what it is 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 then are they high enough to where they can trade their pick this year, a first round the following year, you know, and and move up. So there's still a possibility. We're looking at it as, you know, what draft position will they have? Will a quarterback come to them? But they could also be aggressive and move up if they're not in the mid teens, right? You know, if they're yeah. if they're at fourteen or fifteen or sixteen, then then there's no chance. But if they're at twelve or ten, right, then you know, then you can wheel and deal with a team like the Dolphins, who might have a you know, a number three pick with the way that Houston is playing. Right. And, and <laughs> poor Houston. Right. Yeah. And God, at that point, they you know, just got screwed. They have been absolutely screwed by their former coach. Yeah. I was going to say, they manager. don't really have anyone to blame but themselves for continuing the Bill O'Brien experience. But yeah, it's, it's, you got to feel bad for the fan base and, and Deshaun Watson. It's like a, it's like a bad hangover that just won't end. It'll it'll be interesting to see what coach they get to go there. You know, if Eric Bieniemy goes there to to pair with Deshaun Watson, then then I feel better for their fan base. But their fan base is going to have to be patient because it's going to take a couple years uh, to to undo the mess that that Billy Ob uh, left there. <laughs> so bad, so bad. Anyways, can you imagine though? Can you imagine if those four teams are? Like the Jets, the Jaguars, the Cowboys, and the football team. If those are the top four teams in the draft, and all four of them select a quarterback, that would be insane. That would be. That'd be but crazy. It's but it's possible. No, hundred percent. It's it's actually it's actually possible to watch the first four draft picks of the twenty twenty one NFL draft come off the board. Each of them a quarterback. I'd venture to say it's hopes. conceivable. Ugh. Yeah. more than possible it, it it's a pretty i think it's a pretty high likelihood so we're rooting for who to win um we need the cowboys to win i don't see any one <laughs> yeah, of those teams that's tough. surpassing the hey here's what we do i figured it out i figured it what? out i'm ready I'm alex listening. smith goes on a tear to secure his well he's already secured his comeback player of the year award but he goes on a tear he leads the football team to a handful of wins down the stretch, and they play themselves out of contention. For a let's go, let's go. That's the on, that's Smitty. the route. There, there. I found our in. I found I found our heart's passion for the remainder of this season. We are football team fans. Go football team! <laughs> that's <sucked. laughs> what a shitty thing to have to cheer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man tough that is tough. so anyways there was a game played by the 49ers on sunday there was there was Do a we game want to talk about it because i'm i'm pretty angry about it but <laughs> you know it was it 
during the game, obviously, it, it's hard. There's there's like the analytical side of me that's like, hey, the more they lose, the better position they're in, right? For future success, in my opinion, right? And that's obviously my opinion. Opinions are like assholes. Everyone has them and they all stink, right? But in my opinion, if if they set themselves up to draft a quarterback high, that puts them in a better long-term position with the talent on the current roster and it just i think continues an open super bowl window it might be you know it might be closed next season but i i wouldn't even write i i wouldn't write them off if they had a rookie quarterback if the defense can return to the level that it was at last year but if if yeah. that's if that's if that's your rooting interest then then this game on sunday really played out well for you you know you you got to root your team on in the first quarter when they came out and they put 10 up and held new orleans to zero stop the count and then stop the right and then you know it was if you you don't count any of the points scored after the first quarter then the 49ers won by 10 they won by 10 if you don't count if you don't count the (laughs) illegal points scored and you only count the The, yeah the eligible points yeah then the 49ers won we i claim victory for the 49ers we won this game it, isn't that how it works we definitely won this game yeah that's but how it works. but again you know it, it it depends on your rooting interest if you're and and that's the thing is i i still feel like i am a rabid fan i love this team but i also try and be a little less fan and a little more you know analytical and say hey you know it really would be in my opinion beneficial for them to continue to lose so i got to root them on in in the first quarter i got some hope i even got hope into the second half and then eventually the game got away and in the end they lost the game they were predicted to lose this game anyway this is actually uh the third straight game that they've lost by 10 points or more. And that's the first time that's happened since the uh, end uh, or the last three games of 2017 to go from 0 and 6 to 0 and 9, right? So right before they made the trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, those last three games that they played. So games seven, eight, nine, they lost by 10, 10 points or more. They've done that again this season, which Let's be honest, it makes sense, right? When you've got a you know, when when the fourth best team in the NFC is is the 49ers injured reserve list, like that's you know, it's going to make it difficult to win games in the NFL. Yeah. I I don't I mean, I don't know what to think anymore in regards to the 49ers quarterback situation and like Jimmy, I, I, here's the bottom line. Jimmy Garoppolo gives them an opportunity to win. And obviously we've seen that they're a Super Bowl caliber team with Jimmy Garoppolo. They're not with Nick Mullins. They're not with C.J. Beathard. I don't think they're going to be with Josh Johnson. You mean big pick Nick? Big pick Nick. <laughs> As labeled by the Denim Dungeon That's in right. the game. That's right. It's And so... I, when I, when you look at the grand scheme and you look at the whole scope of of everything that's moving forward, are we rooting for the 49ers to win? Are we hoping for a better draft position? You know, moving forward, 
you know, it's six of one, half a dozen of another. You look at, could we bring in a rookie quarterback like Zach Wilson, and could he be successful and potentially lead the 49ers to a Super Bowl appearance in his rookie season? Yeah, absolutely. If if you if you're any type of a football fan and you watch a game that he plays in, especially go back and watch the the BYU Boise State game this year. I watched from from opening snap to the final whistle. He was nice and, in that game. There was I mean, and he wasn't as spectacular as he was against some of the lesser competition. He was playing a top twenty-five team, and I know people Boise State, but Boise State's a top top twenty-five team. They're pretty good. They got a lot of good athletes. They're gonna have a couple of NFL players on that defense. Zach Wilson was able to not only not only be a playmaker and extend plays like you might see a Russell Wilson or a Kyler Murray behind the line of scrimmage, uh, able to direct his receivers, pointing guys to different areas, delivering the ball 40, 50 yards down the field on the run. But he was also able to make some of those traditional NFL throws. He threw a back shoulder fade to a receiver 25, 30 yards down the field on the wide side of the field which meant he had to throw the ball close to 40 to 50 yards when you go point A to point B and you're looking at extreme accuracy over a long distance uh, in a very small window. These are the types of things that, that Kyle Shanahan currently doesn't have in any one of his quarterbacks that are currently on the roster. So could Kyle Shanahan's playbook expand a little bit? Yes. Would he have the ability to have an athletic quarterback? And somebody who could create, yes, that's something he doesn't have right now. Would he need somebody to learn his entire system? Unfortunately, yes. Now, I've, I hear Zach Wilson's a pretty bright kid. I hear he's pretty intelligent. He's, a film he's able to, yeah. But, you know, bottom line, Jimmy Garoppolo being in his fourth year in Kyle Shanahan's system and in the playbook, despite the time he has on the field. We also know that when Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy for an entire season and he has his weapons around him, he's able to get to a Super Bowl and he's one throw, one completion away from winning the Super Bowl. So either way you slice it, 49er fans, I think as long as the team stays healthy in 2021, the 49ers are going to have an excellent chance of being a Super Bowl contender, whether or not it's Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm or they draft a quarterback like Zach Wilson, or they bring in somebody like Sam Darnold. Either one of those three, in my opinion, give the 49ers the chance to go to the playoffs and to compete for the NFC crown and to represent in the Super Bowl. So Zach Wilson in that game against Boise State, he was 22 of 28, which is 78.6 completion percentage for 360 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions for a QBR of 91.7, which was his highest QBR of the season. And it was his best performance. Well, I mean, it's his highest QBR against Houston. He was 25 of 35 for 400 yards and four touchdowns and no interceptions. And on the season, he is 166 of 221 for a 75.1% completion percentage, 2,512 yards, 22 touchdowns two interceptions. So pretty solid season so far. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's in the Heisman conversation. There's no doubt about it. And that's, and the other, the other interesting thing about the, you know, 
all these quarterbacks have to declare, right? Like we know Trevor Lawrence is coming out. I think it's pretty easy to know that Justin Fields is coming out. But some of these other quarterbacks still have to declare, right? But for those that people are are predicting, you've got Lawrence, you've got Fields, you've got Wilson, you've got Trey Lance from North Dakota State, but you've also got Mac Jones from Alabama who's having a hell of a year, and Kyle Trask from Florida. There are potentially six quarterbacks that could go in the first round, which I think is interesting as well. And not only that, but Adam Peters, the vice president of player personnel, essentially, I, in my opinion, the de facto GM, right? At the very least, the talent evaluating or a talent evaluation portion of the GM. Uh, he also, so he was at that BYU Boise State game, obviously to see Zach Wilson, but he also earlier in the season was at an Alabama game to scout Mac Jones in person. So it, they're definitely doing their due diligence. You know, one of the, one of the questions that we were talking about off air is, you know, can the 49ers win a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo? I don't know if they can. Obviously, they got there last year. They didn't win it, but it doesn't mean that they can't. So, you know, the rest of the season and the way that plays out really is going to be fascinating for 49er fans. But let's go ahead and and review the game against the the Saints, even though you were angry about it, even though it was a game that ultimately it feels like to a they certain should have won. Yeah, the they four, should have won. The Saints, in my opinion, the Saints didn't win this game. The 49ers lost it. Um, they had many opportunities to take control of this game, and they just fumbled it away, literally. And so uh, we're gonna. Go. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> Thank you. I like it. That's really good. <laughs> we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go with you, our. You picked that one. Right out of the air. You did a great job. Thank you. I appreciate that. We're going to go with our who struck gold and who struck out. And we always lead this off with our El Jefe Tequila boss player of the game. And I will have the listener note that uh, Tim put together our show notes today. And so our El Jefe, El, excuse me, our El Jefe Tequila boss player of the game is Contavia Street simply as it's written here. For breaking the ribs of Drew Brees and puncturing his lung, he was robbed of his sack, and the NFL officiating crew should apologize to Street. Immediately. It's a bunch of bull crap. That was a that was a terrible call. I like again, if you're not allowed to make that tackle, then you just aren't allowed to sack the quarterback at this point. Because what, has, what, what the what hell else was he become? supposed to do? Is it like it's not flag football? It's not touch. You do have to bring the player to the ground. Contavious Street did everything he's asked of. He didn't go after the head. He didn't go after the neck. He was able to bring him down with one arm across his chest. So think about that. What broke Drew Ribs' ribs? Drew Ribs' breeze. (laughs) Jesus. I'm just so angry right now. Drew Breeze's his ribs. There you go. Move forward. And he and he just drove him into the ground with one arm. He landed on his own shoulder. He didn't mm-hmm. land on on Drew Brees. They reverse spooned. <laughs> they were they were they were docking in essence, and <laughs> and still tip. got a penalty. Tip to tip, and, baby, and it's still a penalty. Unbelievable. It, it it's when the official looked at looked at Drew Brees and went, "Oh God, he's hurt." I'm gonna oh, that must have been a flag. Oh, God, I got to drop the flag. It's, uh, can you imagine how strong Contavious Street is? To be able to, with one arm, 
basically put a person, he's not going to go on IR, but Drew Brees should, but he's not going to. Yeah, he definitely should. But a, I mean, broken ribs on both sides. That's insane. So yeah, meanwhile, well tonight in uh, the Vikings Bears game, Nick Foles quite literally got uh, the I can't remember what the Rocks finishing move was called. If you can remember it, you can tell me what it is. But well, he, I mean, we have the besides people's the people's elbow. elbow, besides the people's elbow, the uh, rock bottom, the rock bottom. Thank you. Okay. Nick Foles got rock bottomed by a Vikings defender and there was zero flag and Drew Brees you know, got tackled, textbook, no weight on him, no helmet to helmet, no anything, just six foot Drew Brees getting pulverized by six five Cantavia Street. That's a penalty. And it's just nonsense. It's just nonsense. And there's no consistency. And that's the second time. And I, I'm remembering the Ahmad Brooks penalty against drew Brees that was not a penalty that totally screwed us in that game and arguably changed the course of history but i digress that was not a penalty and the nfl deserves to have to apologize to contavia street yeah apologize right now that man broke drew Brees's ribs with one arm and that's (laughs) impressive and just think what he would do to those officials (laughs) <laughs> oh god. Anyways, he's the boss. He is our yes. LFA boss player of the week. Well done. He didn't do too much else. I just wanted to make sure that it was known <laughs> that for that, that was about reason it, yeah. for mm-hmm. that reason only, he deserves that award. And if I could, I'd buy him a shot myself because that well was done. a nice that was a nice sack though. Well done, sir. Yes. Yeah. You deserve a shot of El Jefe Contavia Street. So let's look at who struck 24 karat gold. Uh, th- again, these are the performers who uh, perform better than the rest uh, in this game. And and I'll call him the El Jefe Tequila Shadow Boss Player of the Week. We're going to start out with Brandon Ayuk, who is really coming into his own in the second half of his rookie year. He really has stepped up into that number one wide receiver role. And he, on this game, had seven receptions for 75 yards and a touchdown. And then he also had that really nice double move on the sideline that elicited a pass interference penalty as the 49ers were trying to drive for a touchdown. Uh, but uh, but yeah, Brandon Ayuk, a, another great game. You know, honestly, I think the that the game that Richie James Jr. had against the Packers was going to be the game that Brandon Ayuk had if he didn't get screwed by the COVID protocols. And this game, you know, he he stepped it up again, and he and he really, really is starting to elevate his game to that wide receiver one role. No, he he is a bona fide uh, NFL wide receiver one. It's not just for the Forty ers any team in the NFL uh, outside of DeAndre Hopkins and a couple other elite receivers, Brandon Ayuk is competing for that wide receiver one position. The 49ers definitely struck gold with him, drafting him where they did in the in the first round uh, last year. He's done a phenomenal job. He's, he's only going to get better. Um, super talented, super excited for him. 
Brandon Ayuk is he is our he is our wide receiver one, and it's amazing to think that Debo is going to be our wide receiver two, and we got we got two really good receivers moving forward. Yeah, I'm excited to have them both on the field, probably after the bye, which will be nice. But speaking of living up to draft status, the other first rounder, Javon Kinlaw, had a coming out party of sorts in this game. He really did dominate the Saints offensive line, which is arguably one of the best offensive lines in the game. I know that they've had some injuries. I think they were shuffling around on the interior of the line, which, you know, obviously Kinlaw mate took advantage of, but he had three total pressures, two sacks and three run stops, which doesn't sound like a lot, but again, if you watch if you watch the game, if you watch the film back, you'll see just how disruptive he was the entire game, really collapsing the the middle of the Saints line and 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 got his first two sacks of his career and and the thing that I liked most was uh well actually he was credited with two sacks right after the game it was only one and he was one of the 49ers players made available in the uh after game press conference and one of the beat writers asked him how does it feel to get your first sack and his response was it's only one it's just one I only got one. And I was like, I love it. I just love that he's not satisfied with that. He's hungry. He wants to get better. He strives to get better. And that's what you want out of, you know, out of a first round pick. And so he has all of the tools. He has all of the physicality. He is an absolute physical specimen. And if he continues to have the drive that he currently has, the sky's the limit for this guy. And games like Sunday are going to be more of the regular rather than a surprise. Well, there's no doubt that he is a beast and another fantastic draft pick. It's hard to replace a person like Buckner, especially when you see him doing so well uh, in a place like Indianapolis. But, you know, he's, he's filling that role. He's always been good against the run, but now we're starting to see him put some moves together and be you know, a dominant force, not just in the run game, but also in the pass game as well. So well done. Great job for Kinlaw. All right. And then our last 24 karat gold player is going to be Jared, uh, Jared, Jordan Reed, the tight end who, again, as 49er fans, we would have loved to see some two tight end sets with Kittle and Reed as we, you know, had this offense evolve, but alas, Jordan Reed had another good game because George Kittle isn't on the field. And so he had five receptions for 62 yards and what we deemed the catch of the year, which was that uh, snag that he had where he, with his left hand, picked the ball, I'm going to say three and a half inches above the ground and essentially batted it up into his waiting arms for a I think it went for a first down if I'm not mistaken but man I we rewound that I took a photo of it we posted it on the denim dungeon twitter feed it was an incredible catch and simply for that catch we're going to put him in the 24 karat gold but it's still a productive a productive day with five receptions and 62 yards uh Jordan I mean I still don't know how he made that catch to be honest with you but I'm 
bottom line is he he had a pretty darn good day. Uh, he still averaged 12.4 yards a reception, which was the highest um, out of any game, even that standout game he had against the Jets and and the other game that he had uh, that was pretty darn good against the Giants. Um, 12.4 yards a reception is is phenomenal. The amazing amazing shoestring catch. The the one thing that that impressed me most about that catch, it 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 ranges. It, okay, it's not going to get the same hype that the Odell Beckham one handed catch is going to get. But Odell Beckham basically, when he turned his back to the defender, laid out backwards. His entire focus was on the in terms of running. Focus was catching. The ball. Yes, it was amazing. It was with his two fingers and his thumb, but you know, gloves are so sticky and his hands are so strong and blah, 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 whatever. Like still an amazing catch, probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time. The one thing that impresses me a little bit more about the Jordan Reed catch is he's running at full speed and he, he, he's able to bend down while running and pick that ball up off the ground, which looked like I mean, you said three and a half inches, I'll say two, and he's able to in stride, pick it up off the ground and bring it into his, his other hand and into his body and then continues down the field for more yards. Like that is one of the most athletic plays I have ever seen from any position. And it's just unfortunate that it was lost in a 49ers terrible performance it didn't go for a first down because he had so many yards to go to get to the first down that despite the catch, the second effort and everything he gave, he still wound up short. That's right. It was a yard short, right? Yeah. Yeah. So all of those pieces put together, you look at that and you go, man, like outside of the context, it's one of the greatest catches I've ever seen. And then you put all that together and it's just going to be pushed to the side on a team that, isn't achieving very well on in a game where the 49ers didn't win and that catch didn't even result in a first down. But I mean, you just, but it was show the hell. You show the video and there are, let alone tight ends. There are maybe a hand, like you could count the number of players on one hand in the NFL that could do that. Phenomenal job, Jordan Reed. You can count on one hand. How many dudes can catch that ball with one hand? <laughs> All right, so let's move on to our 14-karat gold. This one will be quick. We only have one player here, and that is Jason Verrett, who continues to make a case for comeback player of the year as he continues to be the highlight of the secondary for the 49ers this season. They're just not throwing his way. And so in this game, he gave up three receptions for a total of 21 yards. And so, again, teams are game planning against him, and rightfully so. If you can go against Emmanuel Mosley versus Jason Verrett, the smart money is to go against Mosley. I think what's going to be very interesting is Sherman. If Sherman comes back, it's going to be in that Rams game. If he doesn't come back for the Rams game, that means he's going on IR for the rest of the year. So we'll monitor that as as the bye week progresses. But what I'm excited about is, is to see what happens when Sherman comes back and you have Sherman and Verrett on the field at the same time. it's uh, I think it's going to be a fun show to watch. And part of the reason why 
even at four and six, the 49ers aren't necessarily out of the playoff picture. And we will talk more about that at a later time. But 14 karat gold, Jason <laughs> Verrett continues to play very, very well. Uh, it, you know, you had said earlier in this show that Alex Smith is going to be the comeback player of the year. And it's hard to argue with that, except for the fact that Jason Verrett has basically come back to Pro Bowl form uh, after missing countless games and seasons with injury after injury after injury. Now, Alex Smith, yes, he started a game and he threw for 390 yards or whatever it was. Yeah, 390. That he threw for 300. Hey, you know, sometimes well you do your research and it, and it works well. But that's one starting game with one phenomenal statistical um, statistical performance. He didn't even, you know, I, I love Alex Smith, but he didn't throw a touchdown in that game. Jason Verrett continues to to guard team's best player. He continues to shut people down. I mean, Michael Thomas had, what, two receptions for 20, 29 yards? And, and Emmanuel Sanders had one reception for less than 15, I think that's, it was. That's what's so frustrating about this game is that the defense, even in its current state, right, which is backups for backups balled in some positions. <laughs> they balled out against a Saints team that dropped, was it 38 on yeah. the Bucks, 35 in the first half against Ridiculous. the Buccaneers, the number one rated defense in the league Buccaneers the previous they, week. And this game was at home for the Saints. Yeah, the first time they fans. played in front of fans this season. They had every reason to blow out the 49ers. Their three, the f- three touchdown drives the, oh my God. totaled 100 yards. It, it was like Nick Mullins and Trent Taylor and Richie James Jr. basically said, yeah, we want Zach Wilson. So We're, we are going to blow this game <laughs> on our knees and do everything we possibly can to give the Saints a short field so that they can score. It's freaking frustrating with the fact that the 49ers were up 10 nothing, and then big pick Nick does his thing. And what in the world? You know what? Just get into the guys that, that struck out because well, there's so many of them. Well, here's what we're going to do. Because there are so many guys that struck out, and we're going to highlight all of them, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor, El Jefe Tequila. I need a shot. I got and we're gonna a let, shot. And we're going to let Tim cool off a little bit, and then we will be right back. Ugh. What's wrong, good buddy? Man, another 49ers player is on IR. This is getting ridiculous. Yeah, it is unbelievable. But you want to know what helps me through this 2020 season? Mm, let me guess. El Jefe Tequila? You know that's right. This block is hot. Mm, all right, so what's the play call? Are we sipping or are we taking shots? Neither. It's time for an audible. You ever had a nitro draft margarita? No, but that sounds delicious. Oh, they are. They taste like Kyle Shanahan's play calling. Oh, you mean a perfectly balanced attack of flavor and velvety smoothness? Absolutely. You better be careful or you'll run up the score. They're the best in the game. 
To learn more about El Jefe Tequila or to purchase your very own bottle of luxury craft tequila, please visit eljefetequila.com. That's E-L-J-E-F-E-T-E-Q-U-I-L-A.com. It's mad luxurious. All right, so like I said, we are going to highlight the 49ers players who struck out on Sunday, and we are going to lead off with our favorite little white slot receiver, Trent Taylor, who struck out because Trent Taylor. He's not my favorite anymore. You have one job on this team currently, and that's to catch punts and not turn the ball over. And you blew it. And you blew it. What was he doing? Like, I understand the ball didn't hit him. So technically, it it really doesn't go down as his turnover. But it's his job to catch the punt. It's not like they pinned him against the sideline or that he misread where it was. And it wasn't like it was inside the 10. It was like at the 25. It wasn't even an impressive punt. Like that, I mean, it just wasn't. Catch the ball. Wave your hand in the air if you're afraid of getting hit. Wave it up and down. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Catch it. And and then Wave give the ball to your offense. Air. Wave oh, and like you just don't care. Whatever. I think Trent, he... catch the GD catch ball. The, catch the goddamn ball. Anyways, Trent Taylor, you may have seen your last opportunity as a punt returner this year. And Next. I think he just he basically played himself just like Dante Pettis. He has now played himself off this roster. Speaking of muffing punts, Richie James Jr. actually did muff a punt. God bless. And that was another turnover that gave the New Orleans Saints a short field, which allowed them to score another touchdown. Again, like we said, (laughs) three touchdown drives, 100 total yards. The the Saints didn't win this game. The 49ers 100% lost it. This is what frustrates me about Richie James Jr. He has the athletic ability to do something that you saw last week where he had over 100 yards receiving. He was dynamic. He, he had was 180 special. yards receiving. That and But see, and then he turns around the next week and he is not reliable. His job is to catch the football, catch punts, and block when he's a receiver. And he can't always do the final two he's not the best punt returner and he's not always the best blocker and that's why Kyle Shanahan doesn't have the most confidence in him it's frustrating to watch a player like that give up this was an opportunity well okay but there was a yes he dropped the punt but you know what else happened there was another player that we're going to talk about later that dropped an interception that it shouldn't even have been a punt I swear to Christ, why <laughs> do the four, like, are they trying to lose, Brian? Are they trying? Hey, be- hey, hashtag lose with purpose. Uh, hashtag lack for Zach. I know the fans latch on to that. We, like, we need something. Tank. It's the elegant tank top, baby. We got, <laughs> we have to give ourselves some sort of, like shot in the arm to say, yes, we're going to tank for this reason or what, but the professional football players don't tank. They don't do that. They really are making these mistakes. These are high school level mistakes that shouldn't happen on an NFL field. Is it the coaching staff or is it just the players? Please tell me because I, you know, it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard. There is a fellow web zone writer that has made it his mission 
to put out content about how Kyle Shanahan is the problem. And I, I'll tell you what, there are, I don't know, there's 32 teams in the league. There's probably 29 other teams that would take Kyle Shanahan over their current coach. Maybe, maybe like 28, 27, but Kyle Shanahan is not the problem. And I don't think this coaching staff is the problem. I think you're talking about a team where, like I said earlier, the fourth best team in the NFC is the team that the 49ers currently have on injured reserve, right? It's $80 million of salary on injured reserve at a certain point. It's the law of diminishing returns. You're throwing out guys that you never, ever, ever, ever planned to have grace a football field. And these are the guys that make the mistakes, right? Kyle Shanahan has done a tremendous job of putting his team in position to win week in and week out. But when you're playing with guys that should be on your practice squad, those are the guys that are going to make mistakes. Now, they're not the only guys, and, and we're going to talk about the offensive line and, and things like that. But again, you're not, it, it's not like, it's not like Debo is making mistakes. It's not like, you know, uh, Nick Bosa is making mistakes. It's not, it's not like Richard Sherman is making mistakes. The players that are making mistakes are players that all health considered wouldn't be on the field in the first place. And I think that's the issue. I think it has nothing to do with the coaching staff. I think the coaching staff is tremendous. I think they may miss, um, what's his face? The, uh, the secondary coach from last year, who's the DC in, in Cleveland. Now. Joe Woods. Joe Woods. Thank you. I think they miss Joe Woods, but outside of that, the coaching staff returned and it's the same coaching staff that coached this team to 13 and three last year. So, no, it's not the coaching staff. Are there some decisions that Kyle makes in game where I'm like, what are you doing? Absolutely. Again, we're going to get to some of that. But no, it's not. This is not Kyle Shanahan's fault. And if they cut Kyle Shanahan loose tonight, he'd have a new job tomorrow morning. They better not cut Kyle Shanahan loose. No. Despite the fact that he he really struggles with his fourth and short play calling. I'm not going to get into that. Well, we will in a little bit, but let's let's just continue on this track and let's go down these the, the crappy players that played on Sunday. All let's right, talk our about next, Nick Mullins. our next, yeah, our next player who struck out is Big Pick Nick, who has evolved from Big Nick Energy to Big Drip Nick to Big Pick Nick because the Nick Mullins experiment has officially failed in San Francisco and the Nick Mullins is better than Jimmy Garoppolo crowd. Um, I think you need to take a couple seats right now. Um, it's quite evident that he's not. Is Nick Mullins a good backup quarterback? A hundred percent. Nick Mullins is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. Nick Mullins, if he comes in in the second half, he gives you the opportunity to still be like, give you an opportunity to win. That's Nick Mullins. Like, he was pitiful hashtag analysis there that's it <laughs> yes he was 24 of 38 he had a 63 percent completion percentage for 247 yards 
He had one touchdown that he threw early in the game to a wide open receiver, Brandon Ayuk. And then from that point on, he just sucked. He had two interceptions in the game. One of them was absolutely critical. We're in a position to where the 49ers are marching down into the Saints territory. They have an opportunity to at least kick a field goal and continue this march that they were doing in the first half. And for some odd reason, a a linebacker that he doesn't see steps right in front and safety. intercepts the ball. So it was a safety? Yeah. But it was right in the middle of the field, right where he should have seen him. And I am sick and tired of hearing all of these people that say, well, Nick Mullins understands Kyle Shanahan's offense about as good as anybody else. Well, if that's the case, why is he still throwing interceptions at critical times? Why is it when they're happening in the red zone, they're happening in scoring opportunities, why is it that Nick Mullins constantly turns the ball over when the 49ers need to ha- be have it secured more than most? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Yes, he may give you the opportunity to throw for 200, 250-ish yards a game, but he's also going to continue to throw interceptions. And he's going to throw them at a rate that's unacceptable. And I don't know if C.J. Beathard is the answer because he's our next guy that is just missing opportunity after opportunity or if it's going to be Josh Johnson. But no matter what, the 49ers need to clean house at the quarterback position. Minimum, those three guys need to go away next year. And whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo stays or they find another quarterback, none of these guys are it. I'm done with all of them. Yeah, yeah, C.J. Beathard, who, you know, we actually, as we were watching the game, uh, we thought that he was sent into the game because it was fourth and, I think, 18 or something like that, and he had a bigger arm than Mullins, and so we thought he got sent in specifically for that. I guess it turns out that Mullins had the air knocked out of, or the wind knocked out of him, and so he did come off for, for just that play, but you're right. CJ was given the opportunity, right? He does have a better arm than Mullins and Richie James Jr. Absolutely dusted the guy covering him and was wide open for a touchdown. And just like every other 49ers quarterback this year, he underthrew the ball by like 10 yards for an incompletion. And it's just, it's the story of the season. But do you know who would have hit that throw? Zach, Zach Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enough about the uh, the pitiful quarterback play for the San Francisco 49ers, which is hard to say because you know when you are the when you are the team that went from Montana to Young, and you also have Brody and Y.A. Tittle, and and there's a there's a there's a a history there of of unbelievable quarterback play for it to be as pitiful as it has been since young is, is, is hard to take, but let's take a look at the next player who struck out, which is Jarek McKinnon. You and I were very, very, very high and excited about McKinnon and his role in this offense this season. And due to injury, I think McKinnon has had to play a role that they did not intend for him to play. And it is quite obvious that he is incapable of, of playing that role of lead back. 
He was awful on Sunday. He had a total of 33 yards rushing. And not only that, but he allowed four pressures and two sacks on seven pass blocking snaps. So your third down back, who's supposed to be good at pass blocking and blitz pickup, wasn't on Sunday. And then he he gave you zero value in the run game as well. And so, honestly, I mean, he he basically he made the team worse by being on the field. Old old tired legs, McKinnon, at it again. And I get it. I mean, I, like I don't. I'm not like I don't. I don't say these things to disparage him. Like he's been through a lot, and the fact that he's even on the football field, I think, is a testament to his character and his will. But his body, he it's not. He ain't it anymore. His body's his body no. is done. It's not his fault. No. It's not his fault that the 49ers have had to put him in a position to where he's responsible for the majority of the carries. And, I mean, as much as we we loved and we wanted to see Hasty, maybe Shanahan was right not to give him a ton of carries because as soon as his workload went up, he broke his collarbone. Wow. Yeah, but... I'm sorry, but but Hasty isn't the type of a guy... He's not that bell cow back where he's going to get... 30 carries a game he's just not big enough neither's mckinnon but these are the types of things where the injuries are just compiling and compiling and it's hurting the 49ers to where players are playing out of position mckinnon is not a first and second down back he should be the third down back and he should have been that all year his legs would never be tired and that's the type of a player where He's able to break one like you saw in the Jets game. He's able to to make good receptions coming out of that slot position against a linebacker who's guarding him. But at this point, it's just not fair. So no, and, please, and, and it's not please, Raheem Mostert, come, come back. back. Yes, come and, back to me. And I never thought I'd say this. And Tevin Coleman, <laughs> I miss Tevin Coleman. Oh my god. Well, and here's and and like you said, it, I mean, he was never meant to be in this position. And the only reason he is, is because of all the injuries. And so you can't blame him. You can't blame the coaching staff. This is just a shitty situation that continues to reveal itself to the point where again, the what? So Mostert, Coleman, McKinnon, the fourth string running back. Now, Jamichael hasty also out injured. So now next week, not next week, next week's a bye. So the following week, hopefully Mostert comes back. Hopefully Coleman comes back because if not, then you've got Austin Walter in the backfield who had a nice little, uh, was that go. a screen pass or he's uh, our guy. No, he, yeah, yeah, I know, but he, he, he had a nice play on, on Sunday and, and kudos to him. But yeah, Jared McKinnon is, uh, you know, fast, fast approaching what might be the end of his, career not just in san francisco but in the nfl as well and then next we want to highlight you you touched on it earlier jimmy ward so jimmy ward was pff's highest graded defensive player for the 49ers but we don't really care because i don't care that is he ridiculous. A, an easy inter- and and it just feeds the narrative right it just feeds the narrative of why are you giving this much money to a player like jimmy ward who cannot get turnovers. And then there are those that are like, well, yeah, blah, blah. Stonehands Ward over here 
had a perfect opportunity to affect the game in a positive manner, and he shit the bed. So who are the two players that the 49ers went after because they let Buckner go? Do you mean who are the players that they signed with the money they saved by? Yep. They signed Jimmy Ward. Mm Mm-hmm. And they signed... Defensive lineman, Eric Armstead. Eric Armstead. Well, yeah. I mean, the... the decision the decision was do we do we pay Armstead or do we pay Buckner so i didn't i don't i don't feel like i included but, that but but they didn't pay they didn't pay Armstead the same amount that they paid that they were going to pay Buckner and well, the no. bottom line is with that extra money they were able to sign Jimmy Ward so right. this drives me bonkers in the sense that Kyle Shanahan loves him some Jimmy Ward and and I, I do understand a small portion of it in the fact that Jimmy Ward is the type of a player where traditionally he is not going to give up a big play. He's not going to give up anything deep, but he's not going to make a big play. He's not going to make that interception. He's just going to be kind of that solid player that doesn't do anything special and doesn't give up anything special traditionally. But he has to make plays like this if he wants to stay on the field. This is unacceptable for an NFL safety. You have to make that catch. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty pathetic. It yeah, I mean, there's no defending it. It just hit him right in the hands, and he dropped that some bitch like it was hot. <laughs> and <laughs> that's this is not patty cake. This is not you know knock the ball down. This isn't a a hail mary attempt. You need to you need to catch that ball and make a play. So let's focus now on a group of players that struck out. And that was the 49ers offensive line who had another subpar day. Daniel Brunskill started again at center and Tom Compton and Colton McKivitz again, rotated at right guard. We talked about the poor fourth and one play that Kyle Shanahan called it was at the second quarter, I believe. Mm. It was a fourth and one play that ended up being a shotgun run attempt to Jarek McKinnon. We'll talk about the value of that play in a second. But that play failed because Colton McKivitz went the wrong way. So, yikes. That's not going to earn you more playing time. And Mike McGlinchey, again, is on film getting blown up by a blitzer. This time, a gentleman who I don't even think is six feet tall just absolutely runs through McGlinchey like he's not even there. Knocks McGlinchey right on his ass and forces a early release from Mullins for an incompletion. Man, (laughs) there's a lot of bad tape that McGlinchey has this season and I don't know what that bodes for him in the future. The 49ers are going to have to make a decision on picking up his fifth year option here in the off season. I assume that they will, but I I mean, is he the long-term answer at right tackle? He's great in the run game. Get that dude to sandwich because he's a big slim. Isn't great against pass blocking. 
Like you don't want to see your right tackle getting lifted off of the ground by different by players. By safety? Every single <laughs> game he's getting put on his ass and it's not okay. The fact that McGlinchey gives up two pressures, the fact that Brunskill gives up two pressures, the fact that Trent Williams gives up two pressures, and the fact that McKivitz and Lincoln Tomlinson both graded out at PFF in the low 40s. McKivitz at 43.6 and Lincoln Tomlinson at 43.4. It is absolutely unacceptable. Now, what I mean... You know, hold on. You know what I read today uh, from David Lombardi? And I replied to his tweet hoping that he'd answer, and he didn't, but... I digress. Um, <laughs> last year, the 49ers offensive line was the number four ranked run blocking offensive line and the number 22 ranked pass blocking offensive line. And they are mirroring the, that uh, those ratings this season. And the question I have is, what is the correlation between their prowess at run blocking and their pass blocking deficiencies. What is it about this line that they've put together that makes them dominant in the run game and pedestrian in pass blocking? I, I don't know that answer. Lombardi didn't answer me. It may be something that we can research in the bye week and come up with an answer, but it was just interesting to me that they're basically in the same spot that they were last year. It's just more glaring now because they're losing. I don't I don't know. Seriously, if you're listening out there and you have an answer to this question, I don't know. Let us know. This is ridiculous. We need some it's, we need some O-line O-line buffs out there who love that love those hog mollies and the uh the <laughs> offensive line play. Love it in the trenches. Let's go. All right, let's let's keep rolling down this suck train. All right. Let's so, go. Kyle Shanahan short yardage play calling or decision making, whatever you want to call it. So he explained his thinking on that fourth and one play. It was third and one, and he knew that he was going to go for it on fourth if they didn't make it on third, and he knew that he was going to call a pass play and a run play. He didn't know what order they wanted to, he, that he wanted to call them, but he knew that's what he was going to do. And so he calls the pass play on third and one, they do not get the first down, and now it's fourth and one. And the run play that he calls gets stuffed for negative yardage. And again, a lot of that has to do with the fact that the guy that made the run stop was the gentleman that Colton McKivitz was supposed to block but didn't. So obviously that play is not going to succeed. And so I I still think it's 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 proper to question the play call, but ultimately... We don't know if that if if that run was going to be successful because the execution was so piss poor. So I, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't like it. I think it's conservative. I think it's I think there's far more that there's more in his brain that he can be creative with than, you know, a inside zone on fourth and one when that's what they're waiting for. But Ultimately, I think that play failed far more because of execution rather than the play that was called. But it goes back, like you think it, you think of both play calls when Kyle Shanahan says, I wanted to run one pass and I wanted to run one run. And I wasn't sure what order I wanted them to be in. And on third down, he calls a pass. And 
it's not like it's the 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 easiest of plays. He's he's having Nick Mullins roll out to his right, and then he says, "Well, if Nick Mullins would have just made that simple dump off pass to Brandon Ayuk, he would have fallen backwards and gotten the first down, and the fourth down would have never happened." But bottom line is he put a guy who's not extremely mobile in a mobile position to throw back across his body to a receiver that was surrounded by defensive players. It's not the easiest throw in the world. And yes, probably a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL could have made that throw, especially Zach Wilson, but the 49ers don't have that guy. (laughs) So why are you putting your player in that position when, in a sense, why not just in third down and one? Why not give the ball to Brandon Ayuk on a jet sweep? Or why not why not put Nick Mullins in the shotgun and let him throw twice to two choice routes in the slot? Jordan Reed on one side and, I don't know, River Craycraft on the other because Trent Taylor sucks. But bottom line is Kyle Shanahan, I think he outthinks himself in some of these situations and he tries to be too smart when you just need to go back to the basics of what works in football. You either pound it for two downs in a row and you get one yard and you go under center and you don't put yourself in the shotgun or you let your non-mobile quarterback, who's pretty good in terms of throwing the ball five, 10 yards down the field, throw twice to try and make a one-yard completion. Don't outthink yourself, Kyle. You're too smart. You're too good. And the 40, like it killed it killed all momentum that the 49ers had and gave the ball to the Saints in a short field. And what happened? They scored a touchdown. And speaking of the running game, our last struck out, our last but loser. You did skip over one guy who I do have a beef with. Oh, right I did. My bad. And that's Eric before, Armstead. Yeah, I say before we get there, before we get to our last one, I did skip over it. Eric Armstead, the question that Tim wrote here is, where the fuck have you been? Where, seriously, you signed this huge deal. It, all eyes are on you. It, do you need a Nick Bosa on one side of you? And do you need a D Ford on the other? And do you need a dominant, uh, you know, you know, inside run, uh, inside defensive lineman? To so it's just you against one person. It seems is that it, what it, you it, need? It, it definitely. Eric Armstead. I mean, it definitely seems that way because. Last year, he found his success rushing the passer on the inside on passing downs because teams were double teaming Buckner. Everybody else. Which left him one-on-one with a guard. And with the talent level that Eric Armstead has, he should win that battle, you know, seven, eight, nine times out of ten. And we saw that with the sack total that he put up. And this year, teams are focusing on him. You know, they're they're not double teaming Javon Kinlaw. They're not double teaming DJ Jones. They're not they're not worried about having to double team Nick Bosa. Like there's a domino effect. And so with the amount of money that the 49ers are paying Eric Armstead, he needs to show up more in the game. He needs to show up more on film. He needs to show up more in the stat sheet. But at the same time, the entire defensive line outside of Kerry Hyder Jr., the bargain pickup of the season in the NFL, who leads the team in sacks. Outside of Kerry Hyder, nobody is playing well. But, well, Javon, but Kinlaw, you, you should, Javon Kinlaw is starting to play well. He is starting to play much better, for sure. But you got it, you expect more out of a guy that you just handed eighty five million dollars to. And he's been invisible. Yeah. 
out of out of context, people are going to look at this and go, we chose Armstead over Buckner. Boy, did we make the wrong decision. And I I understand there was a lot more that goes into that it. Happened, that, that argument's made a lot on 49ers Twitter. <laughs> you needed to sign Stonehands, Ward, like, and among other people. Like, I get that. The bottom line is like I I'm not done believing in Armstead. I still think he's he's an unbelievable guy. He's a great person. He's got a great attitude. He's a local boy from the Sacramento area. Like all things, I want to root for him. But please, Eric, start putting up some numbers because like it's not okay just to occupy two offensive linemen. You, we don't have the guys that are going to excel one-on-one right now and dominate and get eight, nine, 10 sacks in a season. We just don't have that. Kerry Hyder's our leading sack getter. Like you said, Eric, you need to start doing more. You need to start putting up stats because this is pathetic. We paid you a ton of money. Produce. All right. And then speaking of production or lack thereof, we did want to highlight that and and I don't think this is a coincidence. The 49ers run game has absolutely disappeared since Raheem Mostert went down with an injury. And then once George Kittle went out. And if we look at the last three performances that the 49ers run game has put out there, uh, the against Seattle, they had 22 carries for 52 yards, which is 2.4 yards per uh, carry average against green Bay. They had 17 carries for 55 yards. Again, they got down big early in that game. So the run game had to go away, but against new Orleans, they carried the ball 25 times for a total of 49 yards, which is a rounded up to a 2.0 yard <laughs> per carry average. 48 of those 49 yards were after contact, which means that there were, zero holes for these 49er running backs to run through. But again, those 49er running backs were Jarek McKinnon, Jermichael Hasey before he broke his collarbone and Austin Walter. So, you know, I, I think, I, I think it's, it's, it's just attrition at this point. You know, your, your top running backs are out your, your run blocking tight end, who is quite literally the key to your outside zone run scheme. He's out. And, and, and the backups are filling in admirably. Ross Dooley's an okay blocker. He's much better than he was you know, two or three years ago, but nobody's going to fill the shoes of George Kittle. And so, yeah, the 49ers run game has been pretty pitiful. It will be interesting to see after the bye week against the Rams if Raheem Mostert does indeed come back, Debo comes back, you start to open up some of those run plays that you have for Debo and, and Mostert, some of those home run run plays, and maybe we'll see a pickup. But as it stands right now, 49ers, 49ers run game is terrible. What one of the, like, yes, I could, I could bag on the 49ers running backs. I could bag on the offensive line again, but honestly, I feel like a lot of this comes down to the quarterback play and the fact that there is not, there is nothing. There is nothing that is threatening, threatening the defense <laughs> further than 15 yards down the field. It is pathetic. And the fact that the defenses know that there's nothing that they need to plan 
for behind them means they get to run downhill and the fact that the 49ers do not have an element of surprise anymore. When Raheem Mostert comes back, maybe his speed is going to be what is the difference between, you know, getting hit behind the line of scrimmage and 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 making it four or five, six yards down the field before he gets contact. I doubt it. Nick Mullins, CJ Bether, Josh Johnson, I don't care, some Joe Schmo, sign me off the street to throw the ball down the field far enough so that the 49ers run game stands a chance. This is pathetic. The 49ers quarterbacks are awful. All of them. I'm sick and tired of seeing it. Kyle Shanahan, you are supposed to be a quarterback whisperer. Find a way to get the ball down the field, please. This is my this is my impression of Kyle Shanahan being a quarterback whisperer to Nick Mullins. Hey, Nick. Get a better arm. Nick, lose <laughs> because you're going to lose your job to Zach Wilson. Hey, Nick. You suck. <laughs> Nick, you're dog shit. <laughs> coach, I don't think any of this is helping. <laughs> I think my mic's broke, Coach. I'm, I'm I'm picking up some chatter from outside the stadium. No, no, no. That's me, Nick. That's me. It's Kyle. You're terrible. Coach, I'm not seeing ghosts, but I'm definitely hearing ghosts, I think. I just keep hearing these whispers about how much I suck. Yeah, no, Nick, that's coming from me. That's no, that's all of us here on the sideline and all of the 49er fan base collectively. We're saying it to you. You're terrible. God bless it. <laughs> give me all some, right. give me some hope, Brian. Tell me something good. Tell uh, me something good. Give me some tell hope. Tell me something good. I don't have anything. I got nothing good right now. We're going to end tonight on some news and notes. And just like after every game, the first note is. Another injury. Jermichael Hasty, we talked about it earlier. It was confirmed by Kyle Shanahan, did break his collarbone in the game against the Saints. His season is done. And then today, Eric Armstead was placed on the NFL's reserve COVID 19 list, which reminds me that yesterday my buddy Kyle texted me and he said, How many players? What's the over under? He said, Over under one and a half players go on IR during the bye week. And I texted him back and I said, well, I'm going to take the over on that because Jermichael Hasty is already going to go on IR. He broke his collarbone. He said, no, not including Jermichael Hasty. One and a half players. Are you taking the over under on how, how many players will end up on IR? And I took the under and lo and behold, the first day of the bye week and Eric Armstead has gone on the COVID-19 list. So my buddy Kyle you nailed it. One and a half. We got to take the over on that one. <laughs> Ridiculous. But the last thing that I did want to highlight, and uh, I, I, I didn't really talk to you about it before, before we started recording. I just told you that I was going to. But word did come out earlier tonight that the 49ers were one of the teams that inquired about DeAndre Baker. And so DeAndre Baker is an interesting, it's an interesting case. So DeAndre Baker was drafted in the first round. He's a cornerback out of Georgia. He's 5'11". He was drafted in the first round of the 2018 NFL draft by the New York Giants and played his rookie season last year 
for the Giants. He didn't have a great season. He had no interceptions, but he he, he played solid. He he was a rookie, right? Well, in the offseason, DeAndre Baker, along with Quentin Dunbar, who is a defensive back for the Seattle Seahawks now, but at the time was with the Lions, they were arrested on armed robbery charges. And immediately the Giants cut bait with DeAndre Baker. So he played a season for them. He was a first-round pick, and they cut bait, very similar to what the 49ers did with Reuben Foster after his multiple domestic abuse uh, charges. So DeAndre Baker gets released by the Giants, and the entire time he he, he and Dunbar are, are proclaiming their innocence. And so it turns out that today all charges against DeAndre Baker were dropped. So what he was what he was accused of was stealing tens of thousands of dollars worth of cash and watches at a at an in-home poker game that that he was attending. And so again he he proclaimed his innocence and there were three witnesses that that pointed out Baker and Dunbar as the uh, perpetrators. Today all charges were dropped against DeAndre Baker. And then the lawyer representing the three witnesses was arrested on extortion charges. So this whole situation was one, one elaborate extortion attempt by the three witnesses and their lawyer to try and get money out of Baker and Dunbar, because what the lawyer said was to both Baker and Dunbar, Hey, if you give us, uh, I think they asked for initially over a million dollars and negotiated down to like $800,000. If you give us this money, then we will alter our testimony and then you won't be arrested. And so they lied in saying that Baker was the perpetrator. And then they recanted that and the lawyer was arrested on extortion charges. So ultimately what that means is that now you have a first round talent cornerback in DeAndre Baker on the free agent market ready for anyone to sign him because the the Giants cut him. And so the 49ers are one of the teams that has expressed interest and I know there are other teams that have reached out to Kirby Smart who was the coach at Georgia and was DeAndre Baker's coach. And the interesting thing is you know Baker in an interview said I've I've literally I've never been in trouble in my life I don't have a record I've never been arrested like this whole thing was so out of character for me that I continue to you know say this isn't me but the Giants you know cut him anyway and so I really hope now here's what I hope I hope the 49ers reach out and I hope they sign him because all of a sudden now you've got a a first round corner that's 23 years old you know, you're signing yourself a lottery ticket, but not only that, what what I fear is that Seattle's going to sign him, and that's worst-case scenario for me. I don't need them to get no. better on defense. I don't need them to get better on defense. I don't – even if the 49ers don't sign him, as long as the Seahawks don't, uh, then I'm good. But I would love to see the 49ers reach out and come to some kind of agreement and sign DeAndre Baker. I Hey, if if really he did nothing – and this was all just a big setup, then yeah, go after a first round talent. But do the 49ers have the money to do it? Um, well, I, I don't know. And if they were to cut Akello right now, would they cut save him. some money in order? To, yeah, I know, right? 
cut even if they don't sign Baker, cut Akello, who was a healthy scratch again against New Orleans. He is the defensive equivalent of Dante Pettis now. And it's time to move on. And hopefully they can move on with DeAndre Baker. True. All right. So that's all we have for you tonight. Now, again, it is a bye week. So obviously there will not be a preview pod. We did not also get one out last week. Last week we told you about an opportunity that we had that we were uh, joining Clint with All Day Niners on YouTube for a live Nin- stream. Niners All oh, Day. Oh, sorry. Niners All Nin- Day. My apologies. Niners All Niners Day. Niners All Day. Niners All Day. Uh, we set it up with him. We all logged in at the same time. And obviously the internet gods were against us because YouTube was experiencing a worldwide outage at that point. And so we were not able to record with Clint, but we will be recording with him tomorrow, Tuesday at 6 p.m. And so if you are interested in that, uh, we will be tweeting out from our Denim Dungeon excuse me, Twitter account uh, links so that you can see that, uh, that YouTube live. And then I believe we will also be putting the audio up as just a special bonus episode on our denim dungeon feed. And then next week during the bye week we are going to have a fellow 49ers web zone writer, Jordan, who is on Twitter at splash cousin. Uh, he will be joining us as we do kind of a, I guess, a, a state of the franchise uh, with the 49ers asking some questions about what do we want to see for the rest of the season? What do we want to see you know, in the offseason? What does the future of quarterback look like? Questions like that. So again, Jordan Elliott from 49ers Web Zone, a fellow, uh, excuse me, a fellow contributor with us, will be on next week. But again, hey. If you want to see our faces, YouTube Live tomorrow, Niners All Day with Clint. I don't know what we're talking about, but I do know it'll be 49ers. Let's do it. All right. Well, hopefully you see our faces tomorrow. But if you don't, tune in next week, and we'll be talking 49ers futures. But until then, bang, bang. Niner gang. We're live, bro.